I am my brother's keeper. And when you say the name Jacob Blake, make sure you say father, make sure you say cousin, mm -hmm. make sure you say son, make sure you say uncle, but most importantly, make sure you say human. Human life. Let it marinate in your mouth, in your minds. A human life. So many people have reached out to me telling me they're sorry that this happened to my family. Well, don't be sorry, because this has been happening to my family for a long time. Longer than I can account for. It happened to Emmett Till. Mm. Emmett Till is my family. Mm. Philando, Mike Brown, mm. Sandra. This has been happening to my family. And I've shared tears for every single one of these people that it's happened to. This is nothing new. I'm not sad. I'm not sorry. I'm angry. Mm. And I'm tired. I haven't cried one time. I stopped crying years ago. Mm. I am numb. I have been watching police murder people that look like me for years. I'm not sad. I don't want your pity. I want change. Ah, hello everybody, and welcome back to Walking on Water. I'm Dambuzo Mushambi. And I'm Ayanang Musani. And we're very, very happy to be back with you again. It's, uh, it's been a while um, since we've been uh, back out and putting out uh, episodes, we're but a lot, has been, a lot has been, yeah, a lot has been, uh, has always been going on the last few months uh, with, with COVID and all of it just kind of hits you all at the same time. There's no, there's no pause, no reprieve. So life has been going on in the midst of it, so it's been a little bit difficult for us to be putting stuff out. But we're very glad to be here with you and to be talking with you and uh, sharing some of our thoughts on some of the things that have been going on uh, within South Africa and beyond regarding COVID and a whole bunch of different issues. And we're going to split this up into, into two parts. And of course, I mean, li life has not exactly been compartmentalizing itself right. uh, in that way for us. But I think just for us to be able to tackle just the wide variety of things that have come up over the last few months, um, it might make, it makes a little bit of sense to kind of split it up and to talk about things kind of separately. Um, so we're going to talk uh, a little bit about, about COVID, racism, gender-based violence, loss and grief during this time. And then also in another part, we're going to talk about the church and government and all those different aspects of yeah. how this pandemic has been unfolding. So, so we're going to lean into conversation and talk about, yeah, COVID and racism and gender-based violence and talk about those particular issues as they relate to, to us, what we've been experiencing in the last little while. But yeah, I mean, maybe we can start there. Like, how, how have you been doing, Ayanda, in the last, the last few months? How have you been coping? How have you been holding up? What have you been using to de-stress uh, and to decompress? Um, well, usually I would have gone to a good bottle of red wine, but in South Africa, mm. we spend most of our lockdown without having access to alcohol, which was good for the country. Um, and yep. so that, <laughs> um, honestly, I've just been spending time like consuming content. I think 
at the beginning of the lockdown, I was reading the news, listening to the data, um, mm. out the stages of the vaccine, and just like rapidly consuming all that information that was new to me. Um, COVID was new to me. How it was playing out, how it was, was affecting us medically was my main obsession. Mm. And I think like halfway through, that shifted for me when I saw a picture of, um, was a picture in Italy actually, was a priest mm-hmm. and what I assumed to be a father with like a small casket. And I think that would have been his child. And he, this was his funeral, right? It's like a picture that was captured, captured at a church. And I think it just sunk into me that like, oh my God, like COVID isn't just about the numbers, right? Like, and like this many thousands are dying. Yeah. Are dying, yeah. Actually, like human life, right? Sacred life, and and I think for me, just it hit me so badly that like people were experiencing loss. That in all the ways that we have traditionally been able to love each other and hug each other and mourn together, mm. now we couldn't, mm. right? And so I think like my self care routine rapidly changed from like how do I deal with all this excessive information to how do I deal with this excessive loss. Um, sure. And honestly, I think the last couple of weeks has just been like figuring out that, like being so acutely aware that I don't have control over so many things, um, having, having experienced loss myself over this COVID pandemic situation. Yeah, I think it's been like just like a daily kind of figuring out what my body needs. Um, most times I mm. nap, sometimes I work. But yeah, like it was interesting to just like monitor the shift between like consuming knowledge and information about the virus because it was this phenomenon and then moving halfway to actually realizing that this is human life. This is human loss. People are grieving um, mm-hmm. and having read an article about like post pandemic PTSD sure. um, and what that will be. Right. So I think those are, that's kind of where my thoughts have been most recently. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah. And that's a lot. And I think, I think, yeah, for, for me also, I think, there was something of that transition as well. Um, and I'm still undergoing something of that transition from being um, like watching the news and consuming it like endlessly. But then I think after a certain point in time, just that sense of just the up, the up ending, I think of your, of, of, of your days and you just don't have those structures that you had in place that allowed you to, to cope with all the news prior, prior to everything that had been happening. I've gotten to a point where I've just like, yeah, just deliberately unplugging, I think, from from the news, especially some of the some of the more horrible things, simply because it's just a little bit too much. It's it's a it's a lot to be dealing with right now. So yeah, I've been And you I've almost just the last have few... to, right? You almost what? You almost have to like like just switch off at some stage. Yeah. You kinda do, I think for self-preservation, you kinda do. Because otherwise it just becomes a little bit too much, just the amount that you have to to take on board. And like you said, without the usual structures that we have in place to allow us to to decompress and to allow us to to deal with the with the grief and the and the various losses that we've all incurred during this time as well and the instability that this time has brought us. You know, you're you're not able to hang out with friends, to to hug people. I mean, the value I think of human physical contact, I think for most of us, I think it has really really just sunk in just how important that is and how without it so much of our typical processes that we have in place to to grieve from be it actual death 
that needs to be grieved, but that we can't actually yeah. grieve because we can't physically travel across provinces to be with family, or mm. be it uh, that that one podcast that you that you put me on, uh, which is talking mm. about ambiguous loss. So be it the physical deaths that we have to deal with, or be it the structure of our days that have now been totally upended, and you you don't have any of the usual routines that you use to cope with your day to day life. You know, careers, plans, everything, all those different things have all been upended, and those foundations I think that we held to have all been shaken and it's a it's a tough space to kind of be in and to try to cope with all of that so yeah you're right unplugging I think is it's necessary to do so because otherwise you just get inundated with yeah. um yeah just the negativity and the and at this time as well people it's not it's not as though other nonsense has stopped it's not like you're just dealing with COVID you know what I mean like exactly. it's everything yeah. Even in the midst of this, right? Like in South Africa, we are still having to deal with like the countless numbers of gender-based violence cases that are being, sure. that are like, again, like seen on our phone, seen on our, on our news. Um, mm. And the countless names, right? Like how many more people need to be hashtag? And I think for me, it's been, like there's been so many people saying that like, oh, COVID is exposing this, COVID is exposing that. And I think it is to some extent, but I think there's something about like the arrival in inverted commas of this virus that made us feel like everything is stopping. And so like when yeah. we saw um the video of the like the killing of George Floyd or when Zopule was murdered by her, mm. her partner, it's like, oh wait, we are still yeah. really humans you know like we are all i mean a friend was reflecting on particularly the george floyd case where where he was like in a global pandemic we're touching each other is risky you disregarded black life so much so that it did not matter that you stood on this yeah. person right? i think the same thing yeah. with my lady and many other women who have been killed mm. um during the lockdown and many other names that we'll never know of and those who are silent sufferers of yeah. gender in their homes like in a pandemic where touching each other is could potentially be deadly we still find people have still found an ability to touch and harm each other mm. for me that just like that blows my mind and i think there was there was the illusion of pause with yeah. COVID. we weren't going to work we weren't going to church um the world had stood still economies were crumbling um, we were all trying to figure out what's happening. And so that illusion, I think, I think was great for the moment. And then the moment all these things happening, all the racism continued, right? It didn't even like show up, it just continued. Yeah, it um, carried on, yeah. It carried on, it was again another reminder that like, oh, we actually haven't paused. Yeah, and even yeah. if there was a pause, people still found ways to, to dishonor this moment, you know, further. No, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's a very stark contrast, doesn't it? I was just, I was just thinking as you, as you were saying what you were saying about how at this time where proximity to one another can potentially be deadly, how people would cross those lines in order to, to meet out death to someone else. And yeah. especially like within the gender-based violence sort of space where it's generally, typically, it's, it's an intimate partner who is meeting out this violence yeah. at a time where we are most of us or all of us are craving life-giving physical contact other people are you know what i mean they're doing precisely the opposite and actually killing and harming other people it's it's possibly one of those things where like you're saying it's not necessarily like a pause per se like like of everything that was going on as much as it is 
since everything else is sort of like shut down, I think maybe we're a little bit more attentive to it and we're made to feel it a little bit more because you didn't have all the typical distractions of day-to-day life of work and doing this and doing that, where sometimes those news stories can quite easily slip through the cracks. But now it's like, we're all at home and we're all watching our news feeds and we're all picking up on this stuff and the conversations get, get a lot more traction and airtime, I think, than they typically do get in other circumstances. So I think you, mm-hmm. you're in the situation where it's like, yeah, everything else is on hold and this carries on the violence carries on the the racism carries on i mean just recently just a, was it a few days ago like uh, jacob blake another person this is like in the u.s though another person who got shot seven times by the cops and it's like, wow. like seriously do we not have enough to deal with right now do we not have enough on our plates at the moment and it's such a yo like yeah it, it can it can all be very overwhelming i think just trying to to deal with all of that and trying to try trying to hold it and to hold our lives that are falling apart together. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. it's quite a it's quite it's quite it's quite a task, I think, that has been that has been put upon us to try to do that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think for me, like the so like Pauline Boss is this academic, she's like a family psychologist and she well, she coined the term mm. ambiguous loss. Um, and there's an amazing podcast that she she's being interviewed on the podcast called On Being mm. with Krista right. Tippett. And it's such a, it's an amazing podcast because I think, I mean, she was interviewed two years ago mm-hmm. and they were re- replaying it. And I think like she, she perfectly captures just like how loss performs itself. Like it's loss of life, it's loss of routine, it's loss of control. Mm-hmm. And there's almost like a shock factor towards everything. Like for me, it's been like COVID was a shock and now there's other things that are happening on top of it that are shock. Like it, I just feel like I've been in a perpetual state of shock. Sure, and yeah. And, and having to adjust in the moment, like there's no rubric, right? Like the last, I mean, I don't even know the last pandemic was like the Spanish flu as far as I can remember. And like, mm, like a hundred ad- years ago. Right. And there's been many like, you know, epidemics and, you know, all those kind of stuff. But I've just been feeling like this, a sense of loss that I can't fully hold together, right? And so it's, and because it's all happening at the same time the normal ways in which we grieve together in community, the ways in which we contemplate together in communities aren't there. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's even mourning, it's mourning the possibilities of mourning. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Right. But like mourning yeah. what yeah. would have been um, and grieving what grief would have been and grieving the process in which grief would have been and the rituals around grief, even those have been taken away from us and the jobs. 2.2 million people have gone hungry in the past three and a half months in South Africa because there's been this closure of systems and schools and so forth. And so right. even in most of all of that, I've been feeling like very discouraged. Like I don't actually know how to fix it. Like I don't actually know how to, where to go. But I mean, there's a, a, a smaller sense of feeling like there needs to be like a communal contemplation, a communal a reckoning of some sort. But I don't even know what that will look like. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things which we will have to kind of figure out. And I think p- part of doing some of that work, I think, will have to be a historical exercise, I think. And we're going we're gonna to talk, I think, a little bit more at length in the second part about how others in other times when plagues and pandemics were more common, how did they deal with it? What are the resources they had on hand? But I, I, I did come across an article somewhere, which was 
saying precisely the same thing that you're saying, Aya, which is the whole notion of that within our personal lives and also collectively, um, our society as a whole, just broadly, we were psychologically and culturally under-equipped for COVID. Like this is this is something which we we don't have the tools on hand to know how do you deal with that loss? How do you deal with that isolation? How do you deal yeah. with the pervasiveness of death and the this, this, this stillness, I think, of, of life so that each and every death that comes up is felt really hard um, and you really contemplate it. And I think that's, that's something which I think is very reflective of our, our contemporary society, or at least within, within like, our, you know, like middle, middle, middle to upper class sort of existences where there's a lot of stability, a lot of consistency, and a lot of uh, reliability in terms of the systems we have around us to help us to cope, is that we yeah. just, we simply just weren't prepared for, um, for something like this, which totally upends our lives. And you're right, I think that there has to be that hard work of reflecting and contemplating and thinking very, very carefully about what exactly have we lost in the midst of this? How have we... Um, how shall we have to re- rethink our foundations about who we are and what our society, excuse me, is and how our society functions and uh, how we relate to one another as well, mm. not just in society broadly, but I think also within the church space as well. So I think, I think you're very, very right in saying that there's a lot of work that we're going to need to do to, to reconfigure and to like, figure ourselves out on the other side, actually to figure ourselves out now but also right. on the other side, on the other side of this, whenever that's going to be, whenever the vaccine is going to come up and all of us are inoculated and we can hug each other freely without the fear of um, spreading um, a life-threatening disease amongst each other, mm-hmm. we're going to have to do that hard work of figuring out who we are, what the foundations of our society are. We have to figure out, like, re- re- think think about the foundations of our faith, our faith lives, even our spiritual lives, and to try to to make sense of this during COVID and that post-COVID life as well. Mm. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of work in store for us, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done. And I think that like, yeah, yeah like when, I don't know, I just like, I think it's, it's been so helpful for me to feel the release to name that actually my life is being disrupted. Because there's also like the guilt yeah. of completing. Oh, you don't want to wallow, you know, you don't want to be the girl who's always mm. completing. I think there should be a freedom of saying Things are really, really hard. Um, yeah. And the hard doesn't have to be having lost a job or a loved one because it's also those things, but it's also the unnamed things um, mm-hmm. that could be part of who we are and how we existed. And so I think, yeah, I mean, we don't know how long we're going to be here. I saw beautiful mm-hmm. pictures of Wuhan where people were out and about and there hasn't been a case in months. And so there does seem to be hope at the end of the tunnel. Um, right. It's I think the in-between of us finding hope where there seems to be hopelessness and finding a stable and everlasting anchor in Jesus. Um, yeah, <laughs> to pull us through. <laughs> to pull us through, dude, to pull us through till the end. Because otherwise everything, everything else has shown itself to be unreliable, right? That's the... <laughs> that's, the that, that's the thing when you, when you... Again, also when you get called out, like... You know, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know that hymn. And then COVID oh, comes along. And then, and, then, and, then you're like, and then it gets shown up. Like, actually, you know what? There were lots of other little things in your life that you were actually building your life on. Yes. That you were founding your existence upon. That you were 
your sense of being and your sense of who you are were founded upon those things and not necessarily on Jesus. Yeah, so so you kind of, the situation is also, um, I mean, again, dire situation and a horrible situation for us to be in. But I think some of that spiritual work has also been going on, I think, in many people's lives too, where that spiritual renewal and that reminder of like, just again, clinging to Jesus and holding on to, to what is true and what is right and what is everlasting as opposed to, I guess, what, what um, yeah, can, can, easily be taken away by a microscopic germ so yeah ish, yeah it's real it's real stuff well thank you friends for joining us yeah. on this on this episode as we yeah but reflect on kind of where we're at and our thinking processes um but also yeah. invite you guys to to think about deeply and to find communal spaces to contemplate about the lives that we find ourselves in right now and mm. and yeah what what we're being called into as we as we journey and figure out this thing called life yep in this uh, in these new circumstances that we find ourselves yeah. in thank you so much for joining us and we will catch you soon bye-bye from the both of us bye friends Days I can see what's up, gotta close my eyes and just pray about it. Most times when you hit me up, I know you want something, I feel a way about it. Married now, got the kid coming, got my mind spinning like a merry-go-round. Ears open to them old heads, when they come around I speak very slow, I gotta double down on this. Maybe we gon' have to budget down on that. It's been a long time, Sam Cook, where the change coming, all facts. I can see the strange fruit, all black, Django's candy, yell phrase. See the bullet carrying the news, Billy now has blood on them leaves. Hold up, look, I cannot anticipate it, it's overrated. I am no longer a slave through the cross, I know mama, we made it. Congratulations, through his image, we are made it. This spirit is giving me patience for all the races, privileged, performing, hating. This ignorance, I rise above, I slide them love, shine my light all in their face, and I hope they cannot take it. Sophia's through it, I escape the matrix, escape like 95. Who can I run to? The arms of the one who loves you, 98 is. I am the latest, I am your favorite right now in the sun, therefore I am a raisin. I am a raisin, raisin in the sun, Sydney Portier with it, check out the cadence. Thank you.